Good morning. We uh, got a little video clip here we're going to show. There's a couple things I'd like to say first. Make sure the sound is turned up and the lights are dimmed. And then, Brian, you can proceed when that has happened. week as we proceed, I'll be adding a little bit more uh, to that clip. I've uh, been working on that for a while. Some of those templates won't allow me to adjust the time on it, but I'm going to figure it out, slow it down just a little bit, but that's like a movie trailer that you would go to a movie to see, boom, 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 boom. But I'll be adding a little bit each week in terms of a timeline. Uh, last night, uh, Pastor Bill Brandon posted this on LifeSpring's uh, Facebook page, and already, just from last night, I checked it this morning, 3,365 people have clicked like on that presentation. And out of that, and this is from people from Ohio and Michigan and all, you know, all around, and in addition to that, uh, it is that clip has a great 80% more of an impact in terms of, of likes and comments than any other post that's been posted so far. So as we keep, con keep continuing to add to this, uh, I'm sure that the likes are going to keep going up. Next thing is, of course, the next three to four weeks, it all depends. Uh, Holy Spirit, I might go five weeks. I might go six weeks. But as it is right now, three, maybe four. But it's for the purpose for us to know where we're going. And in order to know where we're going, we need to know the foundation from where we came from. And that's the purpose of this. And so I'm not looking for historical accuracy, but it's the spirit of a timeline. So y'all need to get a hold of that, especially y'all that are very detailed. Uh, I'm more approximations in terms of timeline of what, going all the way back to 1980, uh, when Pastor Buddy Hicks uh, founded the church, my spiritual father, and the spiritual father and apostle of this church. 
Why a vision? What is a vision? And how does a vision come about? These are the things that we're going to be talking about over the next three Sundays and maybe four. Pastor Buddy will be coming right after that, either on the last Sunday of September or the first Sunday of October, depending on how I feel like the Holy Spirit is wanting me to go. You know, uh, we have a rich heritage. Many of you have been with us for a long time. For instance, uh, Janie. When Janie got baptized at the other church on 183, she was pregnant with Ty. And there's Ty sitting next to her. And do you remember that, Ty? No, I didn't think you did. But Janie is, is just, in my opinion, is she's like, she's real quiet, but she carries a big stick. And what I mean by that is I know that she is an intercessor. And I know God listens to her prayers. And I want to thank you for your faithfulness, Janie, and, and being here. And I'm, I just sat here and thank my wife reminded me, was sitting on the back porch. She goes, did you know Janie was pregnant with Ty when she got baptized? And, and uh, it's remarkable that we got that kind of a longevity with many of you that are here today. So this, this three or four part series on the vision has to do with refreshing and reconnecting some of us that have been here a long time, but also for some of you that are new and you've just joined so that you can understand the foundation of the house. Habakkuk 2.2, it says, write the vision. Make it plain on tablets. So he may run who reads it. And run means to assist. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. It, it seems slow. Wait for it. It will surely come and it will not delay. The only thing worse than being blind is having sight with no vision. Helen Keller. Let me read that to you again. The only thing worse than being blind is having sight with no vision. Helen Keller. Everybody here from the family unit to the government of the church, the institution of this divine institution that God has created, has to have a vision. Now, there's a primary vision. We all would agree on this, and we know this. The primary vision is, for God so loved the world, right? that he gave his only begotten son so that those that would believe on him would not perish. That's the primary vision, but have eternal life. But within, in, within, within that context is where every divine church that God has called, he has called a specific vision for that church to tie into that primary vision. So that the kingdom of God is advancing forward. So it's not sectarian. Sectarian meaning it's us four and no more. It's about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is all these churches across the world that are proclaiming Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And they have a, a mission from God, a specific word from the Lord 
that this is what he's wanting to do. He's the CEO of his divine institution. And so those offices that God has created, apostle, bishop, teacher, pastor, elder, the oligarchy of the church, meaning it's being ruled by a polarity of individuals with a set man, they have to be in tune with God and hear God's voice through prayer and fasting and seeking him so that we can stay on track. Now, some, we're here, here we are way down the timeline from when Pastor Buddy got the original vision. You know, I'm not, this is not a new vision. I'm actually stewarding what was spoken back in 1980. That's all I'm doing. And I hope as a spiritual son, I'll be able to do that to God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and also to that beautiful man, Pastor Buddy, my spiritual father. This has been my heart. This is all I've ever wanted to do. When I took over the reins, so to speak, in 1995, there was one word God gave me, unity. Because nothing can be accomplished if there's not unity. Unity around what? We're all going to go to Luby's? No. It's a vision that he has spoken into the house. Now the Isaiah 54, 2 or 12, I think it's 2, 12, thank you. It says, lengthen your tent stakes. Expand your boundaries. And these are the first words that we got way back in 1980, 81, somewhere around that, that era. That Pastor Buddy and the church received. And that's for us to expand. It's inconceivable to think that God does not want to expand his kingdom. Would you agree with that? Of course he does. And he's going to do it through a lot of different means and ways. A lot of times the church itself puts God in a box and we can't come out of that box because it doesn't fit within our orthodoxy and God goes right past us. It says that, behold, I create a new thing. Now, for some of you that don't know or do not know Pastor Buddy, he's a very dynamic individual and I've learned much from him. And I give him honor, extreme honor. Now, back in the day, when I was a wet-nosed greenhorn, and I was sitting at his feet and learning from him, and still do, he had a radio show called Talk, uh, Straight Talk. And I believe from that prophetic word, and we'll get deeper into it as we go along, that, that that prophetic word back then was to reach the known world, you know, we'd be known around the world. And I think, I, I believe, and still to this day, that that pastor buddy, through Straight Talk Radio, that was the method, that was the vehicle in which God wanted to go out. We don't know exactly what all God could have done because uh, it got derailed, so to speak. Uh, some folks didn't see Pastor uh, Buddy being a pastor because he was on a radio talk show. I know, I was in the office. So, sometimes we can impede the work of God, not that we're evil, not that we don't love Jesus and all that, but what about if we put him in a box? 
And you know what? That's the, here's the box that you're supposed to be in. This is what a pastor does. And basically, that's what happened. Some men came in and gave him an ultimatum. Either you choose to be a radio personality or you be a pastor of the church because their orthodoxy of a pastor was in this little box. They didn't understand Pastor Buddy was pastoring a city. And not only that, he was pastoring and it was going on, he was pastoring a nation. He ended up praying at the prayer breakfast where Ronald Reagan was present. And President Reagan at the time went across to meet him. He went to him. The President of the United States went to Pastor Buddy and said, that was the most powerful prayer that I've heard. Can I get a copy of it, of which he got? Some of this will be in the timeline clip as we go on. But I want to establish some of the beginnings because God's voice is like a fire. It's a consuming fire. When God speaks, it touches earth and it sets it on a blaze so that God can go forward and do the, do the things that we're supposed to do. God's vision is crafting a worldview to make things better. And Jesus Christ coming into the world, the Son of God, came into the world, and if that doesn't make things better, then I don't know what, what will. Every church has a vision that fits into the primary vision that I've already mentioned that, that was accomplished by Christ. A vision can be symbolized as a fire. Know therefore today, today that he who goes before you as a consuming fire is the Lord your God. He will destroy them, subdue them before you. You shall drive them out and make them perish quickly as the Lord has promised you. Deuteronomy 9.2 But when the prophetic voice of God touches earth, a blaze is set on fire that changes everything. Now we've had recently a, a tornado that came through here, but if you got, have ever gone to a site where a fire's been, it changes everything. Everything gets changed. And when the fire of God touches the earth and some folks that might be insignificant in a lot of people's eyes are crazy enough, radical enough to say, here I am. And to believe in him, things change. Are you with me? So what is a definition the definition of a godly vision. It's the prophetic voice of the future that keeps God's promises on fire. It is the will of heaven touching earth. Where I get the scripture from. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done as in heaven, so on earth, Matthew 6, 9. So the point that I'm trying to make here to establish right at the beginning that God has a vision for the world. And he has that primary vision that has already been established and touched the earth, and that's his son, Jesus Christ. Those tenets of the faith. He died for the sins of the world. He was buried. He was rose on the third day. And here's the fourth one that's very seldom ever mentioned. And 500 people witnessed his resurrection. 
So the first thing is, is as a church, we need to know that to advance the kingdom of God, we got to tie into the prophetic voice that has been spoken to this church going all the way back with our founding father. Nothing's changed, just the methodology or the vehicle. Back then, my opinion, I believe it was straight talk radio. Was the t it almost did. It went all the way to Washington. But some people got upset because of the fact, well, that's not a pastor. Pastor's not supposed to be on the radio. But yet he had a staff. Many of you that were here probably remember this. I won't mention names. That's not the point. But he had a staff. Pastor Buddy had a staff to go to the hospitals, do visiting, uh, resident visiting with uh, people in their homes, youth pastors, and so on and so on. We had a pretty, I mean, we had a great staff. We had some great elders that was on there as well. And I believe today that if we would have not have gotten tripped up on our little box, we would have been, Lord knows what God could have done through us. God's looking for people that will believe in what he has spoken. And there's no different than where we're at today. Back then it was Trinity Fellowship. Today it's Life Springs. The foundation is still the, still the same. It's still the same. Nothing's, nothing's different. Now, some years ago, pretty long time ago, my wife and I, I know a little bit about vision because I've walked it out. I know a little bit about vision. Now, two years ago, some of you might remember this, I got this material that I was presenting back then was the vision, which was VAE model. I got it out of this book, The Work of Leaders, for those of you that are interested. I also collaborated at that time with Eli Jones. Now, Eli Jones, not Eric Jones, Eli Jones is the dean of the Bill Walton Business School with the University of Arkansas. And so he gave me some good pointers and gave me and thought this was going to be a great thing to do. This was before I went to the International University in Mexico. And so I put together painstakingly over months. I've got 110 or 15 slides on nothing but vision. And nothing will ever be accomplished without a vision. That's for your family. That's for the church. That's for the kingdom of God. You see where the patience of God come in, his long suffering, is that he's still trying to get the church to believe. See, we say these things, all things are possible with God. But as soon as we make a move, and start doing things, then all kinds of doubts, and, well, we can't do that. Well, who says? Amen? And so God is on the throne. God's wanting to touch this earth. He wants to bring people out of the fire. And he's going to do it in a lot of different ways. The vehicle that I think he's wanting to do it now, and we'll elaborate on this more and more, is through the digital church. Already we're three or 400% more of our uh, Facebook, LifeSprings Facebook, than we were just a few moment, a few months ago. And that's because of the postings and that's because of the articles. We've been reaching thousands. I've been writing an article a week that's been, <laughs> that's been stirring stuff up. 
And that's good. That's a good thing. And probably maybe next Sunday I'll have Pastor Bill come up here and give the analytics on all this. And he can talk to us about how we're reaching. So you got to go where the, where the people are at. Seems like right now they're on Facebook, Twitter, <laughs> and those places. Another way we're going to expand is through planting churches. God wants us to plant churches. Now, I believe there's no reason for us not to have five churches, Life Springs churches, planted within the next five years. I believe, now, don't take me literal on all this. I'm saying that's my, what I believe. You know, what I believe and what we do together are two different things. It's part of a vision, by the way. That's where unity comes in. What if I get up here and God gives me a vision, which I, he has and I believe it, but nobody but wants to buy into it. We're not going nowhere. So you can either impede what God wants to do or you can get on fire for God and help speed up the process of making, having his return come. It's really up to us. And I think we've been singing this song, Now is the Time. Now is the time that we as a church believe the tenets of the faith and believe in God. All things are possible through him. I also, and I say this because I'm not pulling this stuff out of thin air. It's the only reason why I'm telling you this. So I got Eli Jones, collaborated with him. I collaborated with Greg Petch. But Eli Jones kept mentioning the Harvard Business Review, me going there and getting case studies and white papers and all that. So what I did is I went, well, they got a front end and a back end. Professors are, can go into the back end. Front end is for the open for the public. Anybody can go there and buy books. But the back end is for professors that teach or visit or are uh, a professor there at approved universities by Harvard. So I went and checked that list to see if that international university was on there and lo and behold it was and they don't have this carte blanche that every university in the, in the world is on this back end it has to be approved by them so I was able to become a member and go into the back end and get a lot of the studies where my, where my concentration is in leadership and vision alignment and execution so years ago, my wife and I, we were kind of talking about where we're going, what we're going to do, and we went to a playground, and we were swinging in the swings, and our little daughter at the time, Crystal, was five years old. She was out there running around, and she and I began to talk. There is no power unless two agree. There's no power unless two agree. And so this was where we were at discussing and talking, going back and forth. And we came up to a conclusion that in order for us to move forward and get out of the economic malaise we were in, I needed to go back to school and get a degree. 
Now, I'm going to share some personal stuff because out of that, God showed me some principles that got backed up later in life as I was continuing my education with some of these Peter Ducker, John Maxwell, Steve, Stephen DeCoven. These guys came out after God had started laying these principles on my heart. So the first principle is that if you don't agree, you're not going anywhere. That's husband and wife, that's organization, that's a nation, whatever. If you don't agree, there's no power. And you're not going anywhere. Yogi Bear said it like this. If you don't plan to go somewhere, you're going to end up at a place you don't want to be. That's a yogiism. Is that not true? So we're out there swinging on the swings. We come to this conclusion. I needed to go back to school and all that. It was going to be a sacrifice. So I enrolled into St. Edward's. I had, I had to quit my day job because I had to go to classes during the day. My wife was still working. Uh, we had some obstacles that are in the way. How many of you know that if you have a vision, you're going to have obstacles in front of your vision. The obstacle is to validate whether or not you really believe of what you're doing. Because many people, the first obstacle, they give up. Because, well, God wouldn't do this. No, sometimes God's testing your heart. Sometimes it could be just circumstances. God has nothing to do with it. Sometimes it could be you made a wrong turn, you shouldn't have went that way. Nonetheless, there's obstacles in front of you, and it's there to validate what you say you believe. And that means you go through it, you go around it, you kick the door down, you do whatever it's going to take that you're going to accomplish that vision. You get a, write down a five-year vision plan and all that and everything, everybody's supposed to fall down and make it this big path for you. to get. It don't work that way. I wish it did, but it don't. If you don't know that, then you don't know a lot of the characters in the Bible, of the struggles and the things, that, their, their own humanity, the things that where they were at and the struggles that they had with their own family, with their own people, and even against outside. Are you with me? So when we got home, and we were living in this death trailer at the time, and when we got home, we wrote it down. Let me tell you something. If you don't write it down, we just read Habakkuk 2-2. Write it down. That's a, you know, that's a Harvard principle. Let me give you some statistics. They took 20 Harvard graduates that were pretty much in the same economic, same genre of uh, intellect and so forth. And there was 10 that graduated, all of them graduated, 10 graduated, but they had written down their vision. 10 did not. So they wanted to find the difference between the two, and this is what they found out. Those that wrote their vision down not only exceeded what they said they were going to do, but went even further. Now, the ones that graduated that did not write down their vision, they had a good life because of their education and the prestige of having a degree from Harvard, but they were way below their other classmen that wrote 
their vision out. Where did they get that from? I think they got it from Habakkuk 2.2. Is God's word anointed? Is it alive? Is it active? Did he speak a prophetic, prophetic voice in this church back in 80 and 81? Is it alive? Is it still alive or is it dead? Well, God's not dead and he's spirit and it says that his word goes forth. It does not fall to the ground. He's alive. His word is active and it's sharper than a two-edged sword. We have come back around and re- I believe where we're at right now is for us to believe God to do what God has intended for this church to do from the very beginning, and that is to be known around the world, plant churches, have a digital church, do anything in every way, use everything. But we're not going to do it by being mediocre. Did you listen to what I said? He's the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He's given us a precious uh, vision and so forth. Those of you that are, everybody here at, My good mentor and friend, Harry Kahn, used to say it like this. You're either a missionary or you're a mission field. So everybody can participate. Now, I mentioned Janie because she's quiet and reserved. But let me tell you what her, her participation is intercession and prayer and steadfastness and and faithfulness. There's many that have different qualities here. I don't have time to go into all of them. I'm just picking out Janie because she's so quiet. But I want her to know that I recognize it and many others. See, the thing is, do we dare to believe? Are we going to sit around and look at our numbers? We got 125 when everybody shows up. Are we going to sit around and look at all of our circumstances, the, the world going to hell in a handbasket and everything else? We can't do that. Who says that? So we didn't know how we were going to be provided for. I had to quit my day job. And I went as soon as I signed the dotted line to go back to go to St. Edwards. We didn't know how we was going to pay for it because it's a private school. And it's very, very expensive, believe me. But I was fortunate, I got some scholarships. Well, now I needed some work because I had to get paid. Well, almost the same day, I get a phone call from a guy that has a PhD in uh, computer science. And he said, you were recommended by a person that knows you. And we have a slot here in our technical college, our business college, And we need somebody to come in and teach computers, and they recommended you. Would you come down and visit me, and let's talk about you coming on board and being a teacher here, an instructor, a professor, ad hoc professor? And I said, sure. So I went. Lo and behold, it was right down at the bottom of the hill of St. Edward's. Stick with me. Stick with me. It's a principle I'm trying to get across, not about how... Let me, let me share something with you. You know why I'm the leader of the church? I'll tell you why. Because God takes the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. So I'll just say it up front. I'm more foolish than all of y'all. Tongue in cheek. 
I do have some experience. I got this gray hair for a reason. So, one of the requirements for me to get that was to have a bachelor's degree in computer science. I said, I don't have that. He said, well, we can uh, clip down on that, and you can take a series of tests here, and, and we'll submit it to the Texas Education Association, TEA, and if you pass it, well, then they can give you an honorary bachelor's of computer science, and then that would allow you to teach here. So I did it. I got the honorary computer science thing, and I started teaching there. Now, I'd finish school during the day, and I would drive down the hill, and I would teach until 10 o'clock at night. So here's the principle. You don't know what's waiting on you until you make a commitment. Until you step out. You don't know what's around the corner that God has, but God can't show up and manifest himself until you take a step or until I take a step or until this church takes a step. We don't know what's waiting for us. And I'm talking about God's providence, God's hand, God moving on us. I'm talking about we know there's going to be obstacles. We know Diablo isn't going to sit around. Your flesh isn't going to sit around. You know, a lot of pressure we feel sometimes is actually God pushing down on us to get stuff out of us. But we misinterpret it, and what we end up doing is that we, well, it's got to be the church, got to be bishop, it's got to be something. Surely it can't be anything in me that I got to change. Come on. So, we proceeded. I was taking 18 hours a semester, sometimes 20-something hours a semester, because I didn't want to go the whole route of five, of five years. I wanted to get this thing accomplished, and it was hard. I had to miss a lot of things. So it was a sacrifice. When I graduated, I said, this is not my degree, this is our degree, our family's degree, because everybody had to sacrifice. When you have a vision, you're going to sacrifice if you want that vision to come about. First thing is you've got to verbally talk about it. Second thing is you've got to sit down and write it down. Third thing is you've got to move because until you move, you really don't believe in it. And when you move, then God starts lining up things for you. Also, there's obstacles there. So we're going through this. I had to miss a lot of things, but I was always there for the important things. And there were sometimes there were some meltdowns along the way. And understandably, my wife comes from a Czechoslovakian family, and it's a big family, and all of them, they love to socialize and have big parties. They're great hostesses. They're just a great family unit. So a lot of times I couldn't show up at family reunions and things like that. So it was like, well, where's Ronnie? You know, how come he's not coming no more? And so she had to hear this quite a few times. And it was a sacrifice for her because it means something where the family shows up. And everybody gets to share in, into the family. It's a big deal with the Czechoslovakians that you show up and show your force. Well... We've had some meltdowns along the way. Here's why you write it down. I'd go get it out of the cedar chest, 
and I'd take it out many times. I can think of a time right now, Don and I standing on that rickety back porch we had at that death trailer, and I'm rereading to her the vision. And we're praying and interceding, and the presence of God comes because you've got to keep reconnecting with the vision until you see it accomplished. That's why you write it down. You don't have a reference point to go back and read it to reconnect. And that's what's going on today. That's what's going on in this hour. That's what's going on in this period is that God is trying to get us stirred back up and to reconnect to what it is that he has told us to do. Now, he's been dealing with me since May on this. Reconnect. God himself can't make you. He said, draw nigh unto me, I'll draw nigh unto you. So if he can't do it, I'm not foolish enough to think I can. That's why I've been asking you repetitively, pray. That's why Jesus would stand up and say, them that have ears, them that have ears, them that have eyes. It said that his words, this beautiful Savior, none of his words fell to the ground. All of them were gracious. All of them were packed with power. All of them were beneficial. All of it, all, every word that was coming out of his mouth ministered to everybody, but not everybody understood what he was saying because they had eyes and they closed them, and they had ears and they closed them. And that's just the fact. You know, love is voluntary. Love is voluntary. Did you know that's God sliced off a part of his sovereignty and said, okay, I'm going to take a risk, so to speak, and I'm going to give you free will. And from all of the signs of nature and special revelation and general revelation, I have enough faith to believe that you would turn to me. And it even says that in Scripture. I'm not making that up. Go read it. But unfortunately, when it comes to love, you're not, ro you're not robotic. Right? It comes voluntary. It's from your own volition that you see the beauty of Christ, that you see the beauty of your family, that you see the beauty of those things that you want to be associated with so that you can make a choice to go and do those things. So, a vision has to be discussed and talked about. It has to be written down. Then you have to commit. And when you commit, then you execute. And when you execute, God moves. He says that. You move and I'll move. See, we're sitting around waiting for God to move. God, well, he can do, if he wants to do it, he'll do it. He does want to do it, but he's wanting to know, is there a vehicle out here of some vessels that I can pour myself into that will believe me? That's what he's, that's what he's asking. Now, let me share something with you. If I could have everybody's attention, because I'd like for everybody to understand this. It's a divine institution divine and God's divine that means miracles that means healing that means the methodology in which God wants to establish a church 
and set the earth on blaze is through those divine institutions that he has created. And I'm telling you categorically right now, they are not dead and done away with. Let me ask you a question. You think miracles have been done away with? You've been listening to any of the testimonies here of late? Let me ask you something else. When you're born again, is that a miracle? So now we classify them, right? Are y'all with me? Let me ask you this. My wife and I, the night we consummated our marriage, in the marriage bed, we became one. That was some years ago. Well, let me ask you a question. Was I all, I, I was married as all the married I was going to get. Would you agree with me on that? It didn't mean I go back out and somehow there was something missing in that marriage, in the covenant marriage, when we consummated our marriage. We were as married as we were going to get. Would you agree with that? But let me tell you something. How many of you know as you walk forward and go forward, there are some manifestations that happen to strengthen the marriage. There are some testings and there's some fire that you go through. Now, when I say that, it takes two to tangle. Because some don't want to go through the fire and they don't want to change. Therefore, the marriage already is on the wrong foot. You're one. That means both of you. Let me ask you a question. You get born again, you got all the Holy Spirit you want. It was consummated on the day that you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you confessed your sins. Right then, you got all the Holy Spirit. You got all the marriage covenant with the Christ and with the Holy Spirit and the Godhead. But let me tell you something. There's different manifestations in your life to better you. Thus the baptism of fire. And let me tell you something. Just like in a marriage, there's baptisms of fire. And it takes two to tango. So this notion that you don't need any more manifestations and, and of the Holy Spirit and the fire of the Holy Spirit through your life, I'm telling you right now, categorically, that's not the Bible. There might be some doctrine out there that some men have taught because they don't know how to explain it. And I've heard all kinds of foolishness about it. As if the Holy Spirit is not going to manifest through you and speaking in tongues and other areas of your life to humble you, to make you a vessel. That's what fire does. God's a consuming fire. He comes in, he burns out the impurities. How about burning out the unbelief? For yourself, for your family, for where you're going individually, but then also connecting to a bigger cause and a bigger purpose. This is not a social organization. It's a divine institution. And God's wanting to establish the kingdom of God here on earth. He's just looking for a group of people to get together and say, we believe. And I don't know the steps, and I don't know how it's going to happen, but I do know this, until there's a commitment made, we're not going to see the things around the corner. That much I do know. 
So there has to be a marriage that's in covenant and in agreement together for the purposes, if you're a Christian family, for a covenant. How do we tie in to the church and where the church ties into the primary vision so that there's this life-giving force and purpose for my life, eternal purpose. Not some Mickey Mouse little game that we're playing. I'm talking about cross the street of plane. I'm not talking about here. And uh, I apologize for some of my black and whiteness sometimes, but you know, sometimes that's the only way you can get it across. It really is. We got a world that's dying. Everybody's talking about all the stuff going on. Well, what about what God's doing? How about what it, what it is that he, his heart is broken over the sins of the world and he's trying to wake up a people that will say enough of me but more of you and we're going to believe in you and we're going to do what you've told us to do. And a microchism, not macro, microchism. We've been getting testimonies from Mike sitting on work. The kingdom of God's there. Are you with me? I'm talking about every vestue that you can think of, the kingdom of God needs to be there. You personally on your job, you personally if you're playing basketball with some folks, your friends, barbecuing, watch the, watching the Texas Longhorns lose, whatever it might be. Whatever it might be. But then what is the church? The church has a purpose and this is where we all come in to say yes and amen. There's a sacrifice for a vision. Are you willing to sacrifice that? that? That's the question. Only you can answer that. That's why I've taken a dollar bill all around the world, and I say this is the lowest common denominator in a relationship. The lowest. And if you can't trust God with that, I would rethink about your relationship. And you can, well, that's Old Testament. No, 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 you, you're not a field. You just, you don't understand. Well, let's, let's just say for grins, that's your position. Well, you're still cursed. And here's why. Whatever you sow, you're going to reap. And if you're reaping nothing, I would say that's a curse. Now, you might be like Stephen Hawkins, he had to redefine nothing because they got boxed in the corner with the Big Bang Theory. So this is what he did. They redefined nothing. Now nothing is something. Now if you want to believe that hogwash, then go ahead. Nothing from God is not something. It's nothing. And what are you tying your life to? Amen? Amen? I'm going to need y'all's prayer over the next several weeks because to bring, to bring 30 years of history in a timeline, uh, the spirit of it is going to be a task, especially for 45 minutes for three or four Sundays. So I need your prayer. God's speaking to me. God's speaking to us. This is, you know, we've been here before. We've been here before.
We've been here before. I say let's quit impeding what God wants to do through us and through the church. Unfortunately, today, church is like this. Great big me and little God. The way it ought to be, little me and great big God. That's the way it should be. What are we living for? What's our purpose? Don't you know there's eternity at stake? Souls at stake. People are going to hell all around us. There's no voice in the wilderness that's saying, come, this is the way. And we need ministers. We need men and women to stand up in the workplace and all through every vestige that you can think of in society to say there is a God. Why are we capitulating and let other people control or take control of what the conversation is? And God just needs a remnant. He doesn't need a majority. All he, he just needs a remnant that will believe. You remember Gideon, Gideon's army? God reduced it down to 300. But he defeated an army that was four or five times bigger than that, easily. But he reduced it down because he doesn't want to have the bickering and things that go on that would hinder what he wants to do to poison the pot. Now, God gets what he wants all the time, but is it going to be through us? Amen? Moses showed up at the border of Canaan. And they went in to spy and came back, and just a, a few of them, a few of the spies, poisoned the rest of the group, except for two. Caleb and Joshua says they were of a different spirit. Let me ask you a question. What type of spirit do you have? Is it a spirit of unbelief? God can't do it. Oh, we sing the songs. We can do all things through God who strengthens us. All things are possible. Say to this mountain, it can be removed. It can be removed. We sing all that, but in practicality, do we believe it? Do, can we just... The point I'm trying to get at is not drumming up a program and a bunch of stuff to do as much as stirring up our hearts saying, God, we're here. We believe in you. For, I repent to you for my indifference. I repent to you for my lackness. I repent to you for my coldness. I repent to you for my lukewarmness. I want to be on fire for you. Let me ask you a question. What are you going to do with this verse? I wish you were either hot or I wish that you were either cold. Somebody want to finish it for me? But since you're lukewarm, I'll spew you out of my mouth. Why would you want to serve the greatest being in the universe with a half-baked, lukewarm heart? And that's for everybody watching me by TV. And I know there's many of you that's been answering my articles that you don't like. That goes for you, too. You know, I've always been of this nature. If I'm going to, when I was in the world in sin, I was going to sin the best, you know. It, they, they had all of me. I'm in the kingdom now. God's got all of me. 
I'm not saying I haven't had times along my walk where I've had to repent. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying I haven't had some times where I needed to stir myself up. I have. And even of late, going back to May, I've been stirring myself up saying, God, forgive me. Forgive me for not, for not believing in what you want to do. And God wants to do something. He's stirring up that prophetic voice that was back there with Pastor Buddy way back then. And it's still here today because his voice never dies. We're just a new group of people, but it's the same eternal voice that's speaking. With a new group of folk. Amen? Will we believe? That's the question. Will we say, God, I don't know what my part is, but you stir my heart up. The first thing is, stir up my heart so it's not lukewarm. Stir up my heart so I'm not dead. Stir up my heart so that I can believe. Stir up my heart of things, of moving in the, in the Holy Spirit. I tell you what, you get started moving in the Holy Spirit, you know, here, here's the thing. A lot of people, well, I don't want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit because I, people like, I mean, I don't want to be weird. Let me tell you something. The baptism of the Holy Spirit does not make you weird. You already had the capacity to be weird before that. Amen? Well, and he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe. This is Jesus talking to those disciples on the road to Damascus. O foolish ones, and slow heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for that, that uh, from the beginning of Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself? So they drew near the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going further, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them, and when he was at the table with them, he took bread and blessed it, broke it, and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened. Talking about covenant. You got to renew your covenant all along the way. They said to each other, and then he vanished. Then they looked at each other and said this, Did not our hearts burn within us when he opened the scriptures to us? For this reason, the second Timothy, this is for all of us, including myself. For this reason, I remind you to fan the flame of the gift of God that's within you. Through the laying on of my hands, for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and of self-control and love. 2 Timothy 1.6. Now, As we move forward, 
starting next Sunday, I'll get in more detail. Today, I just wanted to open up Pandora's box in the sense of the spirit of a vision. The spirit of us rallying around a vision, the purpose of a vision. Our role. Isn't our role as a church to expand the kingdom of God? Well, sure it is. How are we going to do it? Well, it ain't going to happen with unbelief, I can tell you that. I'm, I'm not the brightest guy in the group, but I can tell you this. I know one thing, nothing's going to happen unless people believe. That's number one. Number two, once we are committed, and only you can do that, you have to do that yourself. We're going to do it as a congregation if God and the Holy Spirit directs. But see, once you make a commitment, things start to open up and you can see around the corner. We're going to, as the weeks are coming, not today, because I want you to think seriously about some of the things that I'm sharing, even get in there and read the scriptures yourself. Like I said, it's impossible for me in a 45-minute presentation to be, bring all the elements. I'm trying to bring the spirit of what it is that is alive and it wants to come alive and it wants to go forward. Anybody have a marriage that's kind of dull? Well, renew your covenant, get in agreement again, and reawaken the vision that you have for your family, and there's no difference from any other institution, especially God's divine institution. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. We need to have a fire in our hearts that it will consume all the unbelief and the impurity, but it doesn't take place of that which God's placed within us. It doesn't burn that up. It burns up those things that are not of God. And there's a new call. Buddy had an avenue of the radio and he was going to be known around the world and you'll get to meet him later. David Workerson also, if you know who he is, then you'll know he's a mighty man of God and Pastor Buddy was on his board and all that. We'll talk about him later, but he, he is right in there. We're, we're established as a church because of David Workerson his prophetic word that he gave to Pastor Buddy way back then. You don't know who he is? Why don't you go into YouTube and look up Cross and the Switchblade? Pat Boone starred in it, Eric Estrada's in it, and it's about a little country boy from Pennsylvania that came to New York City and turned it upside down for Jesus, and that's where Teen Challenge began. And he planted Teen Challenges all over the world. Little country preacher that dared believe that came to New York City from the hills of Pennsylvania. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. And that day you will know that I am in my Father, that I am in my Father, and you will 
and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and manifest, manifest, manifest myself to him. Well, I'm going to tell you something. He's not going to do it through Oprah Winfrey. He's going to do it through his avenues of touching a heart which are supernatural. That's how his manifestations comes about. So no man gets the glory. And that's the reason for that. Is this making sense to anybody? Anybody want to share anything? Go ahead. Well, hey, I got a, a, a prophetic picture. I saw this huge, gargantuous giant laying on the ground with chains over him, and he easily stood up, and I just seen the chains snap off of him. So the Lord wants us to know that the sleeping giant is awakened. Amen. It's time. He wants us to run with him. Amen? Yeah. The sleeping giant in our hearts must be awakened. The sleeping giant is awakened, awakened, and the Holy Spirit will fulfill what he said he will fulfill. And I'm going to tell you right now in in a prophetic gesture, in a prophetic word, rather, he will fulfill it. He will fulfill it in our time. Amen? Amen. 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 How many of y'all have got a, well, no, I won't do that. I'm not here to embarrass. It's funny where a lot of folks will have a vision for their family. You know what stolidity means? Let me tell you what stolidity is. Your passion doesn't line up with what you say you believe in. Stolidity literally means no emotional response to what you say you believe in. That's stolidity. Now, it doesn't mean you run around going, what, and all that. What it means is, where's your passion? If you say you believe in this, there ought to be some passion there. That's not my making it up. This is from the case studies that all these little Harvard professors have come up with. That stolidity has no place for leadership or going in terms of igniting a vision. If you say you believe in this, then where's your passion? You remember the passion of our Christ? Where's our passion? Amen? Let's all stand and let's close out with a prayer and a song. Can I get somebody on the keyboard, whoever that might be? Jeff, come on, buddy. Well, I don't know as a professor if I'm getting through to the students. Am I getting through to you? Yeah, let me. 
I'm kind of a blind professor. I can't see too good. Can I either give, give a hand or a shout or do something that is getting through to you? And I'm encouraging you that this week keep praying and asking the Holy Spirit to stir you up to open up your eyes, open up your heart, and to open up your ears. Some of you might need to repent. That's okay. You know, repentance is a good thing. We always make it a negative. I repent to my wife all the time. That's why we have peace in our house. But scripture says this, when there's repentance, there's times of refreshing that comes. Why? Because you got that burden off of you. So you got a burden on you, it weighs you down. But when you repent, times of refreshing comes. The Holy Spirit comes and ministers to you. You can feel the wave of his love and approval and his thumbs up for you because of what you're doing. I believe we're going to plant churches and I believe we're going to have a digital presence and I believe we got the people God's bringing us to do that with and I believe that this church is going to explode. Yeah. It's here, it's time, and it's now. I pray this week that you'd get alone with God and your wife if you're married, or your, you know, your husband if you're married, and seek God and get renew the covenant. Ask God for that fire back in your marriage, that fire back into your life, that fire back into the voice of the house. Because is it not for His namesake? It's for Him. It's for His eternal purposes. And we're the ones that He has chosen to get His love out to a dying world. We are. The church. We're not the only one. There's others, but I'm saying I'm only responsible for this church. He wants us to get on fire, get reignited, get in agreement. Start the process, commit, write the vision down so that when you read it, you can have a reference point to go back so that you can calm down those meltdowns that you might have from time to time. Amen? And let me share something with you. Make the record straight. When I say that, in terms of my personal life back then, it wasn't my wife having the meltdown all the time. I had a few meltdowns myself. But I had something to go back to, to reawaken my spirit, to reawaken the fire that's within me. Because there was many times I wanted to quit because of all the obstacles, all the pressure, all the things that was there. But my God, he saw me through. He'll walk with you. Will we just believe? 
just believe in Him. Go ahead, Jeff. Lead us in a song. Come on, lift your hearts up to the Lord. Spirit for you to speak in tongues for an encouragement. Go ahead, speak out.
I'm going to teach you a little bit. Janet is going to give us a, a tongue, a prophetic tongue. It's called a congregational tongue to encourage and to lift up and edify. And those of you, if you're in prayer and in the spirit, you will get some words of what is being spoken through her heavenly language, the prophetic language of heaven. And let me tell you, it doesn't have to line up with like kind. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Some of you are nudging the Holy Spirit about some words that came to your spirit's mind and so forth. Whoever that is, go ahead and speak out. Give us the word of encouragement. Come on up here, Ted. Ted. Everybody can hear you. Everything done orally. Everything done with God's spirit in it. Get my voice this morning. Uh, I heard real clearly from her. Uh, may I reach another spirit, my sweet Lord? May I reach another, sorry, may I reach another spirit, my sweet Lord. Anybody else? Saying to reach the spirit, my sweet one, is what Ted was saying. I heard him say that um, he loves us so and he wants us to be bold and courageous and to just believe and go forth. They that sow to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but they that sow to the spirit shall of the spirit reap everlasting life. Good words. Hallelujah. We love you, Lord. You know, when God shows up, I'll tell you something. He is. Your hair is going to stand up if you got any. Number one and number two. Church is not going to be boring. Walking with God is not boring. It's adventurous. God's, God is a God of audacity and silly resolve. He's a God that comes to us and visits us. And when he does personally, one-on-one -on -one and as a congregation, our lives will never be the same.
we really don't know what we're in store for. But I'll tell you what, as we cry out to him, he's going to come. And it'll be the best thing that has ever happened to any of us because it will change our direction of life forever. We'll never be the same. Do you want him? That's the question. Do you want the fire of God in you? That's the question. Yes. I say yes. As he told Timothy, Timothy, stir up the gift within you. We create the atmosphere for God. You know, God's bored with us. I think you would agree with me. I think he's just bored with our milly mouth and everything. Look, he's looking for people to say, I am sick and tired. I want you. I need you. Will you come? And have that fearlessness, that audacity to believe God and ask God to come and touch our hearts and set us on fire. That's what he wants and that's what he's after. Really, during the whole time you were preaching, the Lord was just speaking to me that if we will each build God's house, if we will focus on His kingdom, that He will give us everything that we are desiring. But we have to, we have to put His house first. Awesome. Don't let this moment slip by. I'm encouraging you as your bishop. Walk soberly this week and intercede for me, intercede for yourself and your family. I need your prayers. I covet your prayers. Time is short. I don't know how much longer time I've got, but I know this. I'm going to pour out as much as I can to God. As much as I can. And if I become radical in the midst of it, then I become radical. But I want God. I want Him. So be in prayer. Seek Him. How many of you want to see souls come into the kingdom? Well, it's not. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. Let me say it again. How many of y'all really want to see souls come into the kingdom? Well, Maybe you're indifferent, you really don't care. Maybe you think, well, God will do it if he wants it. No, that's not scripture. That is not scripture. He says, I do it through my people. We're a firebrand picked out for God. We're, a, we're picked out of a time, a season for God. Be in prayer, believe God. Why wouldn't you want to see people that are dying, going to hell, come into the kingdom? That's the mission. I know one thing when Pastor Buddy got a hold of me back when I was messed up, I'm glad somebody told me the truth. Hallelujah. All right, we're going to close this way. Get in groups. Take a two, three minutes and just pray for one another and ask God to stir our hearts up. You know, I'm not trying to work it. I'm trying to make it sober for us to be sober about this, not lose the moment. How many times we come in and we God speaks to us and then on Monday it's gone. And I'm actually giving a soft warning 
Don't do that. So get in groups and pray over one another and ask God to stir up your heart, your spirit, and to believe again. Just pray for one another. Be blessed as you go.